Welcome to Link to Hope, a podcast from Kentucky Cancer Link. I'm your host, Ben Keaton, publisher of Medical News. Until there is a cure for cancer, Kentuckians need hope today. Link to Hope is a monthly podcast featuring experts discussing ways to remove barriers for Kentuckians in need of screening, diagnosis, and treatment for cancer. We're excited to kick off this series with an introduction to Kentucky Cancer Link, a statewide group focused on helping Kentuckians diagnosed with cancer. We will hear from three people who are playing critical roles in creating and growing this organization. We will start the conversation with founder Vicki Blevins-Booth, and we'll also hear from board chair Brian Willett and executive director Melissa Carr. Today, we are joined by Vicki Blevins-Booth, Brian Willett, and Melissa Carr, all with Kentucky Cancer Link. Really happy to have all of you with us today as we talk a little bit about the work you're doing. Vicki, I thought we'd start with you. Can you talk a little bit about your background and the founding of Kentucky Cancer Link? Certainly. Uh, Kentucky Cancer Link was established in 2008 after we recognized um, that our community that I worked in, I had a business that catered to cancer patients, and I was also a member of a lot of organizations that served cancer patients. But we realized that there was no central hub for people to really connect to when they were diagnosed or they were in need of a cancer screening. So uh, the concept for Kentucky Cancer Link was to establish that hub that would be um, the central place that someone could be referred to to call that would put together all those resources so that folks that were in need of finding out where to get a screening or where to get support um, could have that knowledge. People knew of American Cancer Society. They knew of Susan G. Komen, but how to connect to those organizations and even knowing about community organizations was such a challenge that um, the goal with Kentucky Cancer Link was just to establish that hub for central support for people who were diagnosed with cancer and also those in need of preventive screening. So it was out of the need to set up a central statewide organization that could take on that role. What are some of the early initiatives that you all accomplished that you're most proud of? Um, I think some of the earlier initiatives were just establishing uh, within our community, um, that we were navigators, that we were doing um, supporting healthcare systems, clinics. So I think some of our past um, goals and objectives were to make ourselves known to the community and let them know that we were here to support and what we had to offer. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that over the past 12 years, we have offered support, emotional support, and services to over 13,000 people, um, and we've earned the respect in our community of our navigation skills. Uh, we've earned the respect from our state of our navigation uh, skills. So I have no doubt that our work over these past 12 years has really saved a lot of lives and improved a lot of lives. And uh, I think I'm really proud of the whole concept of our organization and the work we've done over the past 12 years. 
You mentioned a really interesting um, area that, that we spend a lot of time in, and that is working with different advocacy groups. Can you talk a little bit about how this initiative was received in the community and the support that you got from other organizations and, you know, kind of their role in, you know, helping you achieve the goals that you've set out for yourself? Right. Um, as I mentioned, American Cancer Society, I was very connected to them, had served on some of their boards. Susan G. Komen, the Markey Cancer Center, other cancer centers that I had worked with in my previous life as a business owner, owning a business that served cancer patients, uh, when this concept was put together and brought to them, that that's what we were trying to do. We were very, you know, very much supported by them. And then um, as the years passed and we would get their referrals and help their patients and that feedback came back to them that we were doing such good work in the community, then more groups joined in, more healthcare centers were reaching out to us to help us get established in the community. Eventually, the state recognized our services and now they utilize our services. So it was a progressive growth of uh, a local touch into a regional touch that morphed into a statewide touch. So those groups, um, as our reputation spread that we were doing good work and what our mission was all about, um, then we were well received and uh, brought into the fold. And now we're just that we have a great um, reputation in the state and uh, we're well respected uh, for the work that we do. And as the organization continues to grow uh, and you've stepped away from kind of the leadership role, um, although I understand that uh, you still have plenty of homework to do, <laughs> what is your hope for the future of the organization as you all continue to grow and continue to uh, set new goals for yourself? Well, I love having my toe in the water, so I hope uh, in the future I, I can stay connected in some shape or form. But my hope for the future for KCL is to continue to have bold dreams and expand our partnerships and our programs and services and also to continue to educate, uh, inspire and nurture our fellow Kentuckians uh, with our mission that we just continue to grow and expand and uh, deliver the services that we describe in our mission. Thanks, Vicki. Um, we're going to hand this over to Brian now. So, Brian, you have recently taken over as the chair of Kentucky Cancer Link. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you, drew you to the organization? Yeah, I, um, I I joined the organization, I guess it's almost two and a half, three years ago now. Um, originally, I learned about the organization because a, a friend of mine, Melissa Carr, who uh, who you'll talk to here in just a moment, um, she, uh, she was going through treatments for, uh, for cancer. And, and as I learned about, of course, her treatments and what she was going through, and then the, the role that Kentucky Cancer Link played in supporting her and supporting, uh, her various needs, it, it, it struck a chord, right? It, 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 it really helped me, um, see that there were lots of, there's lots of great organizations within this community, but this particular organization, uh, hearing about what 
they had done to help Melissa. And then once I met, came in and met uh, Vicki and, uh, and her team, you could really see the passion. Uh, this team has an amazing passion for serving Kentucky, serving people who are in need, serving people who are at risk for cancer, uh, and trying to, one, get them screened and help them uh, just understand their risk level. And then once they're screened, getting them through that process of, of treatment and supporting them, as Vicki said, uh, emotionally supporting them, uh, finding ways to get them to their treatment. It, it really resonated. And so that, that had me uh, very interested in joining this board, uh, figuring out ways that I could help them with the skills that I, I had to bear and the relationships that I had. So it has been, um, it's been a, a joy to be a part of. It's also been quite a ride. Uh, there's been numerous challenges for this organization and they have, they have dug in and they have worked through a lot of those and they continue to, uh, and, and they're really thriving now. And I look forward, much like Vicki said, to see them to be able to expand and grow. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges. Uh, any not smaller nonprofit, um, you know, has plenty of challenges as they grow, and that's no different in um, the time that we're living in with a pandemic. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of those challenges that you've seen and ways that you guys are addressing and trying to overcome those challenges? From my viewpoint, the, the biggest challenge that, uh, that I was seeing is grants to support cancer and cancer treatment were, uh, were not as available. Uh, and I, I would say, and, and Melissa and Vicki can, can chime in here, but I would say there's still, uh, it's still a struggle to find grants for cancer treatment because a lot of the money is going towards other, uh, other issues within society, such as opioids. And so with that money drying up, uh, it has really required KCL to, to relook at how how they're uh, getting the revenue that they need in order to to provide the services that they're so passionate about to deliver, and that's where, uh, as Vicky had mentioned earlier, the um, the recognition of the state uh, and their their skills, their services they deliver um, that has been huge in in helping to shore up some of the uh, some of the challenges with getting the the uh, the revenue they need. The other part is not everybody recognizes KCL and what they're doing. And, and we really want to get the word out to everyone of the value that this organization brings to the community and really seek to, um, to get uh, their donations to help support uh, this organization, because you're not going to see an organization that is, um, well, one, as I said before, more passionate about helping the people around them. But two, uh, the return on the investment uh, that this organization provides to, uh, to the community is amazing. Uh, I would say it's, it's probably one of the best in class in terms of their return on any investment that's coming into this organization. So I will assume that as your tenure with the board moves on, you're going to be focused on bringing in additional resources for the organization. Um, but what other 
initiatives do you see as this organization continues to grow and thrive? Well, the big thing is is much of what Vicky talked about. It's it's yes, it is revenue to help support their mission, but it's um, being able to continue to expand within the areas of the state that need the most help, uh, making our presence known for uh, for helping with screening of these high risk people, individuals. Uh, within the colon breast cancer screening, but also looking at can we expand out beyond that? Cancer is not just colon and breast. There's there's many cancers, um, and and what can KCL do to help with uh, identifying, screening, and supporting those individuals who are going through that process? Are there any obstacles? in the community that that you would like to see overcome um you know for example perhaps a policy obstacle or a financial obstacle that you think kentucky cancer link can help address within the cancer community that's an excellent question um you know what i see is the biggest obstacle as we move forward um the state has a huge role in in helping um, helping with this treatment, and the state recognizes that cancer is one of the top diseases that afflicts you know this state. And um, what I would say is that um, funding overall, you know, we especially in these times right now with COVID and the budgetary challenges that are going on, I see that as being one of our biggest challenges. Not necessarily for me, my view, policy. And I, and I would honestly like to hear Melissa and, and Vicki's opinion on that. But um, for me, it's not necessarily policy as much as uh, commitment by the state and commitment by the community to help continue to support those individuals throughout the environment uh, who may not be as, from as, as strong of means as others and need the help to, um, to get the treatment. Uh, and, and when you look throughout the, uh, the state and especially get outside of Lexington as well, inside Lexington, but also get outside of Lexington, you see a lot of people who, who do struggle and struggle to get the means to, to get the treatment they need. And, um, that's, that's where we need the most help, is my view. And Vicki, I'm going to toss this back to you. Uh, I'll let Brian be the host for a second. Um, you know, I, what obstacles do you see, you know, from your past experience and, and what you see in, in current days? Well, as far as policy, um, I do see um, something positive coming from COVID. And the reason I say that is it has exposed how many people need health care and how many people, even though our state was fortunate to expand Medicaid and with COVID, they've expanded Medicaid. But um, in the long run, people have lost jobs. People have lost um, uh, their health insurance. So the COVID has kind of exposed and we've always had policy issues with, uh, say, something like a lymphedema garment, things that aren't covered by insurance that we do supply. 
that we have fought for in legislative issues to try to get covered. But I really feel like this COVID has exposed the underserved and how many people need help and how many in the future are going to need more help with COVID. And that, again, goes back to the state and the policy issues with our health insurance. But um, I do see this uh, increasing our need to be connected to the state, to be a resource for the state, because, um, and as our governor has said, health care has been exposed. It is really brought into the light of the people and the disparities in health care. So the, um, I guess the shining light is there's a light on that subject now. It's in the forefront that people need health care. And um, I, I'm hoping that that will bring some light to our state, but also at the same time, bring us to the state to be a more valuable resource for them to help overcome some of those obstacles and be the referral source for the state when they know we have programs that may cover preventive screenings. So I see the um, the part of the state becoming really connected with us that we can be such a valuable. I think the light bulb is on with our state. I think they are recognizing that, but I think we could be embedded even more. Um, and I think COVID has brought healthcare to the forefront to where we will be in that conversation and could be in that conversation if we can get the right audience in, in our state government. And Melissa, before I ask you the uh, the, the same question, um, let's dive into your history with the Kentucky Cancer Link. Um, you know, kind of from the, from your beginning with it to to your present uh, uh, position. Yeah. So um, the first uh, time I was made aware of Kentucky Cancer Link, at that time it was Kentucky Pink Connection um, that focused mainly on breast cancer. Um, I was referred uh, through someone at the hospital system where I received treatment and I called and Vicki answered the phone. And my need at that time was, you know, headwear and just learning, you know, the script that you get for a wig is a cranial prosthesis. And so your brain goes in a million directions. And I think uh, just being able to call and have someone answer the phone that was able to just really answer my questions and, um, and really talk me through some things just was so helpful. And um, I, I eventually got more embedded in the, uh, in the organization, just as a volunteer and then working with some fundraising and things like that. And I just saw how it was growing shortly after I came on board in 2013 as a volunteer, it expanded from breast cancer services to colon screening through a partnership with the Lexington Fayette County Health Department. And, you know, so you could already see how it was emerging uh, into growth. And uh, then in 2014, you know, we expanded to all cancers uh, with the approval of our board and just because the need was so great uh, regardless of where the cancer was in the body. So uh, we took a leap of faith and um, I will uh, go alongside with, with Vicki is, you know, just have a big dream of the possibilities and you just go and, um, and it's been, it's been an adventure, but it's opened, um, 
it's opened the doors to be able to help a lot more people. And, uh, and I'll also kind of go along with what Brian said. When I became involved and found out about, you know, the organization itself, I, it did open my, my, my mind to, you know, the difficulties that are being faced all around us, you know, by our neighbors and, and, you know, beyond and, in Kentucky. And it's just really um, coming from my perspective where I did have someone to watch my children and I could, I did have the gas money to get to my treatments. It just seemed kind of unacceptable to me that that wasn't a thing for, for others. And it, it really lit a fire and um, my, it, here I, here I still am. So. Um, so as you take over as executive director, and you work alongside Brian and the board, what are some of your immediate goals that you'd like to see accomplished over the next, say, year or two? You know, I, you know, funding is always top of mind when thinking about goals to accomplish. And that really, um, you know, comes in so many different ways. I think being able to fundraise in the time of COVID has changed just drastically for everyone. But we're very fortunate to have some great partnerships in the state. But I think it's... Um, really working to, to develop more relationships and having people that believe in our mission and wanting to, you know, walk alongside us for the long term uh, to be able to um, just help us help us grow. And I would love to see, you know, our, our staff grow and, you know, patient navigation has become such, um, you know, people are just realizing that it is a, an essential factor to patient success. And, you know, I say patient success is not every outcome is positive, And that's just the world of cancer that we live in. But for the time being, we can really be a source of hope and try to just really fill in the gaps where people need to, to help in whatever way success looks like for them and their families. You mentioned uh, walking alongside other groups, and I'll ask you the same question that I asked Vicki. There's a lot of different cancer advocacy groups in the community, all serving very different roles. What do you see as the Kentucky Cancer Link's role among the other advocacy groups, and how do you plan to work with them to help support their mission and vice versa? I really think it's just so important for us to uh, be involved um, with other advocacy groups and work together as a team. You know, everything, so many things are changing uh, dramatically in the cancer world in regards to, to treatment and and then also access to um to things that may be able to meet needs that we're unaware of that another organization may be able to provide. Um, but specifically in the treatment realm, I think, you know, with understanding real time what's going on in the cancer community. And I think that it'll help us, you know, understand where we can help offer in the form of screenings. Currently, we're able to do the evidence-based screenings that are, you know, for breast, cervical, colon, and we do navigate some for lung cancer screenings. And those, those are going to continue to grow, those opportunities. And so we need to be ready to have the ability to create pathways for people to have access to those things. So that's one of the, and, you know, everybody, you get more done when you work together. So. And I'll also uh, toss back the question that I posed to Brian and then he posed back to you and to Vicki. Um, you know, 
what are some of the obstacles that you see that the organization is going to face and how do you think you all will be able to overcome them either individually or along with other advocacy groups? You know, I think that, um, I don't know, challenges anymore, they kind of seem like they're in a new light these days because it feels like personally and professionally, just in life, it feels like we're just meeting challenges at every turn. And I think that um, it's going to be important for us to just open the door of communication and have flexibility and um, work work both ways, either with other advocacy groups or amongst our team members, um, working alongside our board. And, you know, I think that I hate to always go back to funding, but that's always going to be in the mix in the nonprofit world. And I think as our programs grow to be able to have the funding and the capacity to be able to meet those needs as we as the needs from outside are brought to our, you know, brought to our door um, and just being able to have the ability and the creativity to to navigate those pathways to you know be as effective as we can you know across the state. The last question that I have, I'm going to actually pose to all three of you, uh, and we can take it in whatever order that you would like. Um, what is one thing about Kentucky Cancer Link that people may not know, and that you would love them to know? I'll go first. I don't care. You want me to speak out? I'll go first. Um, what I would like for people to know about Kentucky Cancer Link that they don't know would be um, the recognize the passion that we have for the underserved and the passion that we feel when a cancer patient walks in. And I think it's easy for people to um, know that our organization exists and what we do, but I would I would really like for people to know the life and the day, just a day here and what we experience. Um, a little prior to COVID, we, although we still see patients, but just to know that um, when they do enter our doors, they are embraced, they are treated with like their family. And for people to know if they do refer people here, we offer total respect. And we want to give them total care and really provide for them, uh, look at their barriers and see what they are and offer um, a helping hand. Um, and, you know, we just we want to be their link to hope. That's what I want people to know, that we they are getting that when they send someone here. I was going to answer the same thing. So the only thing I would add on to that is. Um, when you look at the communities they serve, it's it's multilingual. They serve the Hispanic and the uh, the English speaking communities because we have large populations of both in this in this uh, area, and so they have done an excellent job of building trust within uh, within both communities to to um, to to help get them screened and then help get them to the treatments, et cetera, that we've already talked about. But um, it, it's not just a, a single uh, language service. They're, they're really trying to serve the entire community as a whole. 
And I think that mine would be, you know, we are based in Lexington, but we serve the whole state. So just understanding that uh, even with an 859 area code, we've got the 270 and the 606. We can go across the across the way. And, um, you know, Vicki was talking about patients coming in. You know, me as a survivor, having someone come in and being able to work with them to fit a wig or, you know, talk to them about what it's like to go through need mastectomy supplies. And, you know, that's just, it's such a gift to be able to go through that, you know, walk through that process with somebody. And it's an amazing feeling to see their heads held a little higher and standing up a little straighter as they walk out because they feel um, that they've been kind of put back together again. And, and um, yeah, it's just a really great, great experience. Well, Melissa, Brian, and Vicki, thank you for a terrific conversation today. Really appreciate the insight and the conversation and getting to learn a little bit more about Kentucky Cancer Link. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of our conversation today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and share on social media. We are back each month with a new episode. Please join us next time.